You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome, everybody, to the 3DMs podcast. I am Jake, joined as per usual by Paul. Hello. And this week on episode 45, we are going to talk about crime and punishment, law and order, uh, you know, however you want to swing it, however you want to phrase it. Good cop versus bad cop. Uh, yeah. You know, we're, we're going to be covering. Robbers. Yeah. Whatever. We're going to cover how to effectively do illegal things and the law things in your setting, because these are places that are often not really addressed until they need to be addressed and it can sometimes anachronistic Let's yeah it's it, like it, it just doesn't it doesn't flow as well as you would like it to uh so let's get going uh before we can talk about crimes we have to talk about laws because you can't commit a crime until there's a law you can break yeah this is going to be by the way folks this show is going to be a long one so buckle in grab a snack and we're going to pop right off into it so let's start off with law because you need to have rules in place before you can break them. So how is law formed in your setting is a good question to start asking. Like is this a thing that's been developed over thousands of years of in-game evolution where cities and tribes have come together and put together sort of common law and their cultures and each culture is a different kind of law? Or did St. Cuthbert or whoever come down on the Temple Mount and hand you 800 tablets each with their own eight-point font rules on them? Yeah. This this is honestly just going to be the smallest part of the discussion, but it is important to have because if you have naturally evolving law, it's going to be a little bit more lax. If you haven't noticed uh, in the real world, law is constantly changing. Um, laws are updated, changed. Uh, you know, some of the outdated stuff is removed. Uh, things are put in better place once we've found cracks in the system. And in a perfect world, everything improves as time moves on. Unfortunately, this isn't a perfect world. However, um, this is a world you have complete control over. Yeah. However, if we go the other route where there is a God of justice in your setting and we're going to touch back on uh, a pantheonic God laying down the rule of law later, uh, you can have a very complex and full legal codex ready to rock. And they wouldn't, you know. Suffer any changes to their holy word laid down by them. Yeah. So it's not going to change very much. No one's no one's going to bat an eye uh, if you have a massive legal codex presented by a law or by a god of law at some point. So, you know, it's not it's not a bad place to start if that's where you're looking at. On the other hand, it would probably make more sense that the gods would leave it to mortals to decide what is and isn't legal. But we're about to get to that. Yeah. So let's talk about a religious bent for your cops and let's talk about how cops kind of got started in the real place. Um, so in the meat space, if you will. Yes. In, in, in this real world, in the real world, the actual police force is a 
relatively, historically speaking, recent invention. Rome had something kind of like cops. And uh, Paul, I believe you have some juicy details on ancient China. I actually don't in this case because wow. it depends on the specific era of China. But I mostly focused on military and uh – uh, what's the word? Royal history. Well, that's what I get for putting all my money on that horse. That said, most of their punishment and crime was dealt out by local government officials and was suitably brutal, such as, again, the punishment of thievery is losing a hand. Yeah. Um. So the invention of the police force is a relatively recent thing. Um, London finally got cops in around the early to mid 1700s. What's that? I thought it was the early – well, whatever. You've uh, done the actual research in this. Yes. Um, uh, early so. to mid-1700s, uh, kind of in that area code. Scotland followed suit in the 1800s. Uh, France actually had the first actual police force, but this isn't a history podcast. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cut this short. Um, evidence-based policing is extremely recent, and if you're running anything close to a medieval European fantasy game, which I'm assuming you're doing because this is a – for better or worse, this is a podcast with the broadest appeal in the West, and Dungeons and Dragons is a game that's usually set in Western European fantasy. So, evidence-based policing is not something you should take for granted. It's a very recent invention, and the idea that you see a lot—you see this a lot in games, though. There, you know, people love to do a lot of cop stuff. Stories. That, yeah, cop stories and you know stuff we're familiar with uh, from our own media and a lot of tropes and so there's still detectives and um, you know some Sherlock Holmes influence and things like that. Uh, but it's a very recent thing. So just keep in mind that this would be something that is not universal. Yeah, it's not universal and it's something that if you you can go ahead and add it to your setting, it's your setting and however you want to do it. We can't stop you. But in a more historical sense if you want to base things more on history um, – Investigations were handled by the private citizen and as far as a paid uh, police force who was there to either deter or actually investigate crime, that is a very, very, uh, as we've already said, recent invention. So moving forward, um, when it comes to your actual police force, uh, it depends based on that. Watch your guard force. We yes. Say, it but. depends on this codex of laws. We, as we've already established, if you have a religious bent on your, uh, on your law, if there is a church that is actively, their doctrine is basically to uphold justice and to keep and justice. This standard quote unquote D and D setting tier is a pretty uh, big influence for that kind of thing. Yes. If you have something along those lines in your setting, then that setting, um, is going to, have a respectable amount of the two biggest ass kickers when it comes to taking the law seriously. Yeah, you're probably going to have actual not okay. I shouldn't I should say this lately, not religious fanatics, but people who are strongly religiously motivated to get to the bottom of a crime and get the truth are more likely to follow evidence-based policing than your average guard being hired by a noble to make sure no thieves get away. So two classes are going to be really pushed to the forefront for you to use here as a DM to have kind of sprinkled through your setting. And that is the vengeance paladin whose day job is to go out and punish, you know, crime committers, punish Johnny crimes. That evil. Yeah. Punish Johnny crimes and his buddy foul mouth Larry. Yep. Um, and then we also have the Order Cleric, which is in Ravnica, or you can find the Unearthed Arcana. Isn't there a Law Cleric in the Player's Handbook, too? Uh, I could be wrong. No, there is an Arcana Cleric, uh, but the closest thing we get to the Law Cleric would be the Order Cleric, which comes in Ravnica. 
Speaking of which, good book. I recommend it. There's yeah, some fun stuff in there. A lot of fun stuff. My favorite thing that the Order Cleric can do is uh, make everybody drop their weapons on a DC Get on chart. the ground, perp. Yeah. Drop your weapons. Uh, a lot of fun stuff. But those kind of characters uh, as NPCs are going to populate your settings most definitely if you have a very religious bent. And that's also really going to affect uh, your populace. Uh, whereas in the real world, obviously, the you know if we're looking at European history, um, yeah. the good book says not to steal and not to do things like that. Ten but, Commandments. You know, all that. But in terms of in real life, there wasn't much of a active presence by the church to go out and stop these things from happening. But if you do have a God that is hell bent literally on making sure that criminals don't get to crime, then that is going to have a drastic effect on the way society is shaped as a whole. Now let's something you really need to consider when setting all this stuff up to is um, how punishment is going to be dealt with. Yes. We should talk about um, prisons, corporal punishment, jails, detainment, and other means of punitive action rather than uh, protective action. So it should be noted specifically that in most European societies, the only people who would actually get jail terms would be the nobles or other people who would be held for ransom. Yeah, people who were deemed uh, too important just to murder off. Um, Death was – I'm not going to say death was a solution for a lot of crimes, but there would be stuff like cutting people's hands off for thievery or just straight up executing people for murder and things like that rather than actually bothering to go through trials. You're not going to be seeing big jail complexes like you see in the Shawshank Redemption or whatever. Yeah. Except in maybe the very largest cities. Um, And on top of that, the idea of the very torturous – painful execution the long form well uh since you robbed this place uh we are going to make you walk across coals and then jam these needles into your eyes and then following that you're going to have to hang a fish hook from your lips and do so on so forth so it's gone for you know another 15 you know just just extensive violent torturous deaths are not going to exist in a uh, world that has effective policing and a system of laws. Why? Because in history, these things were done. You know, this is a very simple as a sort of do not com- do- Johnny crimes. Don't think about committing crimes, or this is going to happen to you. The idea was that if you do something barbaric to people who do crimes, then everyone is going to get the idea to not commit crime. And obviously, that didn't work. Otherwise, we'd still use it. So. If you want to keep the over-the-top uh, brutality brutality of punishment in your setting, go ahead. But it's it's just not historically it, accurate. It, it might be historically accurate, but if you've got effective policing, then it would be not ter- terribly historically accurate. It's not terribly historically accurate. Now, it might be cinematic, though, and it could be a very fun way to introduce things in your game. But just be aware that if you have police, it's probably not going to be the way they're going to go. Also, it might rub your players the wrong way if this is treated like an acceptable thing to do. And ultimately, remember that your players have to want to be playing the game. If they feel uncomfortable, they're not really happy playing the game. Yes. So as – With that said. (laughs) With that said, we're going to move on to the other side of this coin that is really interesting and that is the idea of a prison. Prison is like the one part of my research I really didn't get a lot into. Um, It's because I think in terms of this kind of stuff, a lot of us think very much in terms of Skyrim. Yeah. Um, And oh, well, because a lot of Skyrim and the Elder Scrolls Oblivion, maybe Morrowind if you're old school. Well, so one thing actually that I, you know, Skyrim does and that's very true to history is called Weregilt. 
a Germanic concept. Uh, and and it's, it's a fantastic. blood gold, yep. Yep. And that is because <laughs> if anybody, and all of us are guilty of this, have played Skyrim, at some point you save the game, you draw your sword, and you run through town, and you just keep cutting down bodies until there ain't no bodies except for the infinite guards that keep popping out. And if you look up in the top you know, left-hand corner of your screen or right-hand or wherever it was, it's been a while since I played that game. I think it's left-hand. A rolling left-hand. count of how much money you have to pay to get out of your com- crimes to you know butchering an entire town uh keeps rolling up this is a real thing where guild is where you can pay off your crime now granted it's a shit ton of money but if you have the money you it's could, not like adventurers aren't lacking in cash yeah so. you could hypothetically pay off your crime which is one thing to consider um Otherwise, they would probably just simply kill you. But if you want to go a more modern route, and there are a lot of fun thematic reasons too, um, you know, exp- uh, playing with the idea of the supermax fantasy prison is a lot of fun because if the obliettes, if you will, yeah. It, well, if you look at normal prisons, they're already you know scary enough, and supermax prisons are fun. But you know, just in, in terms of a design and the philosophy behind you know keeping people confined and stuff. But if you take that up to uh you know the fantasy level and you start adding you know all sorts of fantasy elements to it extra planar spaces for cells yeah it, this suddenly gets way out of hand and very very fun uh when it comes to doing prison stuff it's this is more of an imagination kind of thing uh feel free to let your mind run rampant on it and kind of just do what you think is right for yeah, let your imagination guide you in this one. We're not going to police how you uh <laughs> we're not going to police how you're going to do your jails. Yeah. But uh just again the idea the, most most prisons were probably or uh, primarily used as keeping people in uh like either political enemies who they still needed alive um or people house, held for ransom or whatever. House yeah, house arrest was a thing. Um you know, so most people were kept on house arrest if they were deemed important enough and they didn't want to throw them in some uh, cell. I mean, obviously, remember Galileo and things like that. Um, but when it comes to the prison experience, there shouldn't be too many in your standard fantasy setting. There might be one somewhere. Um, but when it all where comes, you ship off the big bad criminals. Yeah. yeah, where you ship off the big bad criminal who has to remain alive for a political reason. Uh, but let's refocus now that we got prisons and like punishment out of the way. Let's get back to the primary meat of this topic, and that is designing uh, your system of the code of laws. Yeah, your system and your cops and how everything is supposed to function in your society. And so I really want to start with uh, resources. This is going to come up big later in crime, too, but resource is a very important thing for you yeah. as a DM to track and manage. And this is what I mean by that. Um. Remember the Skyrim comparison I just made it a minute ago where there are endless guards who will stream out of whatever yeah, keep, the woodwork. Yeah, whatever keep you're in. They just keep filing out of the castle in a line coming at you to try to stop you. Obviously, that's unrealistic because it's a video game, but it's also something you need to consider in a setting. Let's put aside a major city for a moment and let right. us look honestly at uh, places that get a lot of sp- – time spent in themselves and these are the small hamlets villages and, and thorps yes. and thorps of the countryside what does their guard system look like three dudes some spears yeah they might have if they're lucky and they have decent commerce they might have six people who are devoted 
to protecting the town um, and policing affairs if you have a police system already set up. Um, but more likely than not, in small towns, you're going to be relying on a town watch rather than a dedicated police force. And this is something to keep in mind is that most town watch are not going to be your, you know, your level 20 fighters to keep your players in line if you really have to brute force. Your, they're going to have they're right. going to have the guard stat block. And <laughs> if they're lucky. Yeah, if they're lucky. And a, uh, you know, a party of three level three PCs could effectively butcher the entirety of a small Hamlet's effective fighting force. They shouldn't because that'd be wrong. Because that'd be but bad. They could. But they could. And so you need to pay close attention as a DM because this can really help affect player agency and action. Know what the resources of a small town is and have contingency plans for if bad things happen. You need a lot of people producing food or you need a very specialized society in order to have multiple people in a small town who can do nothing but look out for crimes all day. Yeah, there there needs to be enough wealth significantly in that area for there to be a reasonable police force. Otherwise, yeah. it's just going to be handled by the locals themselves there. You know, there might be a guy who walks around at night um, ringing a bell. Ringing a bell, shouting how good things are. It's you know it's twelve o'clock and all's well. Or yep. Whatever. Uh, but overall, there is going to be a you know unless a major crime event happens, there is not going to be much investigation or a lot of people prying into things. The citizens are going to govern themselves essentially until yeah. the sheriff shows up to collect taxes or until <laughs> the reeve. I suspect actually it'd probably be well. Now I'm getting pedantic. Anyway, yeah. Um. Which, by the way, I think it is time to officially glaze over all the eyes of our listening audience. Let's talk about some taxes. Yeah, let's talk about taxes. This is a big okay. I can hear your eyes glazing over, and I can see our viewership numbers dropping. We're gonna, um, we're gonna, we're gonna keep it quick. Well, yeah, we'll keep this short. Taxes are a very important part of civic uh, of any government because that's the way you pay for you know governance, and also why people govern at all is for tax money. Yes, so. The amount of taxes available is going to be directly proportional to the amount of resources that your guards have unless there's a noble or a church with specific interests in the town. Yes. So that means this is going to affect uh, – and I know this is everything that even I as a DM, I'm shuddering thinking about it. But figuring out a tax rate for a region is really going to affect how good their equipment is. <laughs> I, I know. It's – oh. Gee, okay. Now, this is why world creation is the never-ending hobby because just when you think you're done, you're like – Shit, didn't do tax rates for that region. Okay, but it is worth saying that this is more of a meta thing, but players hate being taxed. <laughs> do it whenever you can. <laughs> uh, go on. No, no, people, no. no. I, I like this. Keep going. People, players, I've noticed that players complain about highway robbery when any amount of money is taken from them for anything. Like, you know, you got to pay a gold to get into town. It's highway robbery it is. We won't take it. I'll just sleep in the street rather than paying two gold for a bed. Uh, What's that? You got a little tax on your water and booze income? I can't believe this. Let's get into a smuggling business to get around it. Yeah, this is definitely where crime is going to come up later. Um, but knowing where the taxes, you know, wearing, knowing where, yeah, let me try that again. Knowing exactly where the money is going to end up going is going to be greatly beneficial uh, to you and then 
it can really help build your game because uh, let's say this town is an excellent producer and has a lot of extra tax money. Your baron or your noble or whatever, whoever is in charge is going to want to be able to throw some of that extra cash around and protect them. We'll and if they don't, and if they don't, guess what? This is coming back up in crime section later. Um, so, it, you know, the policing is really going to depend on the money in the area. If you find some little hamlet that uh, that is the proverbial, there is a bar, there is a, a bakery, you said, and there, I believe was a- there's a bar, there's a bakery and there's a stoplight and that's the fucking town. OK, <laughs> if that is that town, guess what? There might be no there's no guards in that town and they're just really hoping that the tough guy who works at the bar can handle all their problems because yeah, you know when he's before five o'clock before the bar opens he's standing on the corner with you know a knife or something making sure nobody commits any crimes and watching that johnny crimes fellow yeah no and and other than that you know there, there's it. not gonna be much now and on that on the other hand on a big city of you know fifteen thousand people with a tax rate of 15 percent you're going to see guards on every street corner watching to make sure Johnny Crimes and his buddy Barry Crimes and what was the last one? It was uh, Frankie. Uh, Frankie Loose Lips. Yeah. His name is going to change all episode. Uh, there, There's going to be a guard everywhere because the taxes can afford for better payment. And in fact, the high money in the area is going to necessitate that there be more enforcement to, protect, to prevent the increased amount of crime. Long and short, more money, more cops. Yeah. Um. I, again, unless a church has a specific interest or region or a noble has a specific – Yeah. I'm sure you can figure out that if somebody has a specific interest in the region and they have money, they might hire more guards. Yes. Um, so let's get to a a tiny little bit of a uh, – when it comes to the law, let's talk about a very interesting bit of law and – the way that it's handled in the game. Um, it's not a, I don't think this is going to be a controversial statement to say that there are a lot of people in the modern day world who uh, have a very contentious look at the police and law enforcement. I think that would be a safe statement to make. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and that is something where I want to address too is, and this is, should be handled town to town, region to region. Cause you have to remember uh, if without an internet or without mass communication, there is really no reason for any uh, regional entity to become a monolith like their other entities. Yeah. They're, Unless it's a church or something. Yeah. For whatever regional differences they have. Well, even then, a church, you know. Is going to suffer heresies and minor doctrinal differences. Over minor, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, over large distances because it's, hey, it's just how things are done around there. And so that comes to uh, intent of the law versus the word of the law. This is a tiny bit, but it's a very, very important bit in portraying your legal ass kickers, your order clerics, your vengeance paladins, and anybody and the judges else. they have to answer to, call them loose cops and remind them that they're off the force. Yeah. And anybody else who does have hard influence on these things. Um, and that is, you know, when it comes to intent versus word, uh, this really affects how everything is going to feel in that area. If the word of the law is literal, then your order cleric is going to look like Judge Dredd. Who's casting spells, which is actually more terrifying than normal Judge Dredd. Well, he doesn't have a gun, so it's a little less terrifying. I don't know. Guiding Bolt is fucking scary. Uh, (laughs) We're not going to get into this debate on the show. Yeah. Uh, Maybe we should. Uh, But the intent of the law, meanwhile, a order cleric where the intent is right is going to – 
perhaps be more like a judge. You know, well, behave a bit more passionately. Um, They're going to address the situation. I'll have to weigh the facts. Weigh the, the facts case. against the transgression and go from there. Where we sit in the real world, we currently sit kind of in the middle. And, uh, you know, money definitely affects the way things are handled in certain aspects. But, as it always has. But we are not going to get too political and that. We're going to drop that where that is. But as a DM, being very aware of where the word of the law is what the people running the show are after versus the intent uh, of the law that the intent consider as the law. So it's also worth noting that this can perhaps tie back to the origin of your code of laws. Again, if St. Cuthbert came down on the Temple Mount and handed you his full legal code, you're not going to quibble about intent because he's written it out for you. To change his words would be heresy in the eyes of the St. Cuthbert clerics. But on the other hand, if it's individually developed by different uh, political entities over time, it's more likely to be intent-based. Yeah. So when it comes down to policing these things in game um, – I wouldn't worry too much about it except yeah. as a background thing. But it's a, Yeah. It's a very background thing. But it It's something I would definitely have scrawled out in like your notes is like – the intent of the law matters more than the word of the law. Or yes, something. it. Yeah, because it, it very well infects, uh, <laughs> infects, affects player interactions with law enforcement. Yeah, um, and that is always just again, it's those little details that build yeah. immersion. And, and when you build the immersion, the best. That's yeah. when the players are in, they're role playing, and they're doing everything you want them to. I wanted to add one more thing. Um, if your players assume that modern day law and practices apply to your practices there, don't don't be rude to them. Just inform them that this is something your, their characters probably would know. Guards don't need due process to haul you in for questioning in you know, most settings. Yeah, that's actually a very salient point, Paul. Um, and to expand on that, yeah, determine how much power your guard has uh, – it's probably going to be more in cities and less in towns for the same reasons we talked about earlier is that it's all about the money, the Benjamins, if you will. What's the equivalent of a Benjamin for a gold coin? I, I think I usually, at least in my setting, I do about one gold coin per Benjamin. <laughs> it's all about them golds then? Yeah, uh, it's, all about, it's all about them golds because, I mean, you know, copper ain't shit. It's true. I can buy in Arizona with a copper. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's move on from that for the moment. Though. Yeah. Uh no, actually, no, I, I do want to stick with that just for a second, too. Yeah, breaking down to your players what the law is while you shouldn't do what we're doing here and just uh, shout the law at Don't them. Don't just for, rattle off the law at them unless it's some particularly socially inept person who's telling them every single law in the entire town they asked a question on one law. <laughs> um, yeah, Kyle Law. <laughs> uh, yeah, they asked Kyle Law about the laws and he's like, glad you asked. Are in the year 1306. Um, but instead, you know, when when they're about to go about a course of action uh, and they think there's a they, – they might have a modern legal answer. Well, I'm going to get my free phone call and I, you know, I get to ask a lawyer for help. They might not get a lawyer in your setting and let them know that because you can have some very, very upset players uh, when they get to the end of a certain point and they – they're expecting yeah. something and that's not there waiting for them. If I were – OK. This is again going to be me preaching for a moment. But if I were you, if your players are about to commit something that their characters would know is a crime, I would inform them at the time. Like if they say, oh, I'm just looking around. I'm not trespassing or anything. Trespassing is illegal. No, poking your head in somebody's house who hasn't invited you 
is illegal in this town. You would know this. Yeah. So try not to do that. Yeah. Make sure that you don't stop them or anything if they want to, but just say, hey, just so you know, that's going to be illegal and that's not going to cover you. Yeah. Enforce those rules and make sure everything is handled responsibly. So uh, we've covered intent. We've covered uh, the way law can be handled. And now this is where we start getting into shaping the law as possible villains. Uh, All right. Hit me. Yep. Well, there's there's several things to consider. We've already talked about how money is the ruling principle. And the or way we being very good in with the local money. Yeah. Well, the way we do this show after all is uh we talk loosely about what we're going to talk about and then we just kind of shoot from the hip. That's how we do our show. Had I known money was going to be thrown around this much, I would have gotten David Gilbert from Pink Floyd shouting money. <laughs> but the money. Yeah. Don't scrabble you can, lads. Exactly. Anyway. But when it comes to the next bit we're going to talk about, which is the corruption on the force, uh, let's talk about how a police force is going to look uh, when it's a, a constabulary mil- in a militarized organization, you're going to say? Yes. Uh, when it's either your standard police force or a more militarized police force. Because, again, this affects how everything is handled. Um, a, a police force or your watch force is almost certainly likely to double as a sort of subpar um not, not sorry subpar is not the right word a secondary military unit in times of serious strife they'll recruit the local constabulary and because they've already been trained with certain weapons they're going to be drafted into the military so i would say it's more likely than not that your police are going to have some sort of military bent to them in a fantasy setting yes now that being said how military is that bent can really affect the story that you're going to be able to tell um if they are basically all walking, talking, trained soldiers who, as back to the last point, the intent versus the word, if you have a bunch of hardcore military people, hardcore military take their job seriously, a lot of modern parallels here, that's all I'm going to say, um, taking their job very seriously uh, by the word of the law and punishing the local populace. That is going to be very noticeable to the players. That is going to affect player action. That is something that you can put out there uh, to motivate them or to inform them as to how the world works. Yes. Um, to motivate – yeah, to inform player action, inform player agency and motivate possible reaction because um, after all, you know, they might just be in this city for, you know, stopping to resupply, grab resupply as many of healing as are available. But something might strike their fancy and they might want to stay here and – help out and you want to run a better sandbox game then that is we're a, talking to you right now yeah that that is the way to spark interest in different plots if they see for example three police officers beating a vagrant for sleeping on the side of a street while that's probably allowed in the intent of the law your average player as a person is not going to like that and might well intervene that might put them on the bad side of the law and while they might be morally right they're legally wrong yes and you can follow up on that, too, by perhaps giving that player charges, having to see the legal system firsthand and showing how perhaps unfair it is if you'd want to get that aspect of this is a police state. Yes. And to jab deep into that, uh, that sweet piece of cheese uh, to follow that up, you know, let them see the legal system firsthand and then follow up with perhaps a, you know, a rebel to the system. 
we'll cover this when we get to crime, uh, who wants to change things. And the party might be motivated to try to change things locally. Yeah. You know, and you know, as long as you're giving your players options, then they're happy. Just don't force them along a path that they'll notice. You know, just, I mean, you can do it. Just do it carefully. Uh, well, the way I always like to put it too is, uh, you know, if you got a plan on, if you plan on telling a certain story, sweet, but just make sure the railroad has several stops. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about a police state, the opposite side of things, as opposed to the go- uh, god of justice, who's only out there to make things equal and even for everybody, or the equivalent. You've got a state abusing its. Uh, What's the word? Constabulate its uh, police powers to maintain its own stability, but also create an oppressive regime. Yes. So one thing you should note is that a police state is likely not going to have a great deal of obvious crime by criminals. That sounds a lot more obvious than it probably actually is, because most of those people are going to be police officers. Um, The idea of running a police state is obviously to subvert the trope of, you know— Law is good. Crime is bad. Crime is bad, you know, and it's to flip the sides. But, it, you know, we've all seen it enough in media and books and things like that that when done effectively, it's badass. Uh, so if you want to run things like that, let's just keep a couple of very simple, straightforward facts in mind. Uh, for one, if it's a police state, there is probably going to be a secret police um, who is out there doing – Plain clothes, if you will. Yep. Out there doing things to make sure that the cops uh, are staying in line. and Not only their own police forces staying in line, line, but the populace is staying in line, finding any people who might want to subvert or be a saboteur and, you know, giving them the most extreme measure of justice. This comes back to punishment a little bit. In a police state, they definitely like to make sure that everybody knows something horrible happened. Or they even like to do uh, what I think is a little bit better in a really grim way to say it but uh you know the uh v for vendetta does a great job of this where people get blacked back black bagged and are taken away yeah and the idea behind the black bagging is that you don't know what happens to them but you let people talk and you let ideas ruminate and you let that yeah i was that fear of the unknown kind of build more like the disappearances in south america in I believe the 80s and 70s is uh, a figure isn't so much, you know, killed straight off as they just disappear and no one ever hears from them again is often more frightening than straight up indicating that something terrible happened. Yeah. Um, If you want your players to feel angry at the local constabulary, have one of their local friends or contacts just disappear. Yeah. So – um, other other police state things that you can do that are very fun for you, not the players. Uh, yeah, it's not about the players; it's about you. You're the real hero of this show. Yeah, just got. Well, I just got to make sure that uh, my voice used as a, other great things about a police state is. <laughs> no, uh, I mean other no other fun things that you can do with a police state. Uh, sorry to hop in there, Paul. Like, oh, go on. Finish yeah, your saying. No, is. With a police state, too, you can definitely build a great resistance force as a – that is a fun storytelling mechanic that deliberately builds out of that is, uh, you know, you got a tyrannical king. They're probably going to have a police state and you're going to get a rebellion out of it. So that is something to consider that would come out of that hardcore of a law. Yeah. The other thing to consider, too, though, as we talked about before, would be the rebellion of the 
lawful servitors of a god. Yes. For example, the paladins of Tyr or of St. Cuthbert or whatever aren't going to take this police state nonsense lying down where you're just arresting people who disagree with you. Yeah, and that can lead to a very interesting story where you suddenly have paladins and clerics um, who worship Cuthbert or Tyr or whoever your justice, justice god is. Jinx, you owe me a cola. Uh-huh. And they all begin to slowly approach the city-state or wherever it is in mass because something very wrong is happening here. This is the good part about having hardcore uh, religious bent clerics is that when things actually go very bad in a lawful sense – You can actually count on them for backup. Exactly. Um, So that is another thing that is very fun you can do with a police state. And then finally, uh, to wrap up on police state, Paul, you had something. I was going to say something that considers that police states are rarely brought down from the lower ranks or even from outside. They're usually brought down by a power struggles in the upper ranks. Yeah, that's very agreeable. So usually what's going to happen is that some members of the police state – and the upper ranks at least, are going to start squabbling with each other and it's going to eventually collapse and create even more chaos than the police state prevented. Right. Um, it's, at point, <laughs> it's at this point – It's at this point. We're going to hop back a little bit and we are going to talk about resources and training. Mm-hmm. And this comes back to money. It's a gas. <laughs> Grab that cash with both hands and make a stash. All right, that's enough of that. Thanks, pal. Uh, let's talk about how magic gets used because suddenly now that we've talked about just the theoretical non-magical parts of this. Yeah, let's talk about wizard crimes. Yeah, let's talk about Balthazar crimes. Yeah, let's talk about getting people uh, in a fantasy setting involved in ways in ways that you have to really consider dealing with as a party. Um, so let's talk about the spells that law would use, but also let's talk about how law enforcement would view certain spells. Yeah, let's shoot at this. Uh, the obvious one, of course, is going to be uh, Locate Creature. Seems to be, to me, the most obvious. It's a fairly low-level spell from my understanding. And it's, hey, do you want to know where that person on the run is? Boom, now you do. Now, it does have one fantastic storytelling weakness, though, that you can literally you can literally base an entire little thing around this. Oh. It's one weakness. And if there is water that is 10 feet wide or larger, the Locate spell fails. Hmm, putting that seems an obvious weakness. Yeah, putting people on a small island is the best way to uh, uh, to keep them from being found. But other sort of scrying spells in general would be extremely useful for yeah. uh, blonde scrying. Um, augury, you know. The, well, actually, isn't augury usually fairly unreliable? I um, augury is just there more at, to inform player agency for a plan of action. Um, it. Augury exists as something that probably criminals would also do because they get to ask a god, hey, is this going to go okay? And the god can go, you know, can give them one of four answers. Ask again later. Yeah, exactly. It is the magic eight ball of how is my life going to go. And it is something that would be consulted by both sides. Yeah, Um, in fact – Divination in general should be seen as something that's used fairly frequently uh, if magic is at all commonplace in your setting. Yeah. Calm emotions is another spell that would often come up with law users because it can literally stop a riot if used properly. Yeah. Or you can get a su- – a, uh, like a witness to calm down and think through their things rather than blabbering or even just in the sense of needing to help people. Calm emotions is quite handy. Calm emotions is – if you're a DM and you have a – 
law enforcing type of cleric available, um, then that is the spell they're going to be casting a lot other than Zone of Truth, which is the bread and butter. Thank you. (laughs) Zone of Truth is very good. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Clinton McElroy, for making it very famous to the masses in Adventure Zone. Zone of Truth. Yeah, I cast Zone of Truth. He doesn't heal much, but he always casts Zone of Truth. Um, Zone of Truth is another great one is where did you hide the bodies? And they can be evasive and they can do all that, you know. But if you ask them the yes, no questions, they have to tell the truth. Exactly. Well, they don't need to speak, but you can certainly count any of them not speaking as a no. And you know if they failed the uh, saving roll or not. That, it, that's why it's so powerful. Um, but I do love, just as a little tangent on Zone of Truth, um, that is definitely something that would come up in a – if you're doing a legal courtroom drama – Zone of Truth would get used all the time because it is way more better. It is way more powerful than a polygraph. Yeah, and even more than that, it makes witness investigation a lot easier. My guess is most major courtrooms and cities would probably have Zone of Truth permanently inscribed on the floor or something. Mm-hmm. Why not? Yeah. It's, if you got the money, do it. You're going to use it. Yeah. If you, Oh, trust me. That is going to really come in handy. Uh, we see the zone has failed for you. Now. Step in and out of the zone again, please. Now, <laughs> did you kill those men? Maybe. <laughs> uh, so, but let's talk about actual the training. Uh, when it comes to the training and recognizing spells, uh, your guard force in a large city, in a large urban environment should. Obviously, again, not your podunk town militia. Yeah. Your guard force in a large city is going to at least recognize several of these spells or understand their usage. Magic is fantastical, but in Dungeons and Dragons, it's usually easily accessible enough that it's not unheard of to be seen. The average person in a Dungeons and Dragons setting has probably seen a spell be cast. Yeah. And when it comes to uh, recognizing spells and their legal implication, then this can also add several layers of depth to your legal system. And what I mean by that is this. Sure, there are a lot of spells like, uh, gee, will I don't know, uh, you know, Ray of Frost, Fireball. Yeah, those are pretty obvious that somebody just, you know, used evocation and blew everything up. Um, it's when we get to the more insidious spells like the charm spells. Dominate. The Geass. dominate spells. Geass. Disguise self, uh, because unless you're an adventurer who has a really good reason for using disguise self, most I people, can't think of a good reason outside of infiltrating an orc camp or whatever to be casting a perfect magical disguise. Yeah, which by the way seems like something that um, is very much a remnant of early Dungeons and Dragons happening exclusively in dungeons is. In settings that would be most mostly focusing around city intrigue, I imagine disguise self would, should probably be much higher level. Same yeah, with a, charm person. I mean, you're right. That's a, those are both pretty powerful spells, but the, at least the dominate spells land where they should. Yeah. Um, it's just charm person is a first level spell that makes somebody like you. And it's, it's, yeah, sure. You got to make a saving throw, but it's, they become your best friend for what, a minute, something like that. That's, that's insane for a first level spell, at yeah. least in the intrigue <laughs> campaign, as opposed to you're trading this off for like magic missile. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, to keep this thought process going, uh, you know, obviously you can see the effects of image spells and, uh, yeah, all illusion, for example. you know, all, all of illusion. Those oh, are, it's an hour. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Those are all pretty obvious. Uh, 
But think about the legal ramifications of a Gius spell or a Dominate spell. Uh, because Gius basically puts that person under your control for ever enough time if you cast it at ninth level, I believe. Uh, I'll double check the exact duration on Gius, but Gius is a very no, scary no, no. Thing it's for one law year. Enforcement. It's one year if it's done at ninth level. Uh, I'm, it's all it's all coming back to me. Yep, thirty days per level. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but it again forces somebody directly into your pocket uh, with dominate spells. Uh, kind of the same deal. Somebody is acting against their will. Not only is this going to come up in court. If it gets that far, if the guard doesn't kill them, but maybe there should be some way that the guard can recognize this is happening to them. Um, that is just an idea to, you know, maybe spice up your setting and so that somebody being dominated is a little bit more noticeable other than just suddenly they're acting way different than they normally would. Especially because dominate doesn't – unlike charm, dominate doesn't say that uh, they know they've been dominated after the spell ends. Right. Um, let's see other spells though, that would be useful to law enforcement, but also would be terrifying for criminals to have scrying teleport, uh, teleport suggestion is a spell that law would love to have, but also hates that criminals have. Yeah. Because again, I suggest you lay down on the ground and put your hands down on the back. Hmm, That seems like a reasonable suggestion, Mr. Lawman. Yep. And then, uh, I suggest that you quit trying to arrest me. Yeah, you're right, Crime Joe. Uh, <laughs> that guy changes his name a lot. <laughs> criminal Joe. Joe Criminal. C-J. Yeah. There's friends as a cantrip, if I recall. is like charm person, but shorter. Uh, and the person knows you use magic on them. But if I was a uh, <laughs> if I was a cop, I would definitely cast friends. <laughs> They'd be like, you know what? Yeah, man, you're right. And then the second it wears off and they're already in the back of my cop car, mother <laughs> Um <laughs> Caddy wagon. I guess the most interesting spell. This is a spell I completely forgot exists, but I want to talk about sequester for two seconds. That is a spell I forgot exists, and I've read a lot of D and D spells. Yeah, no, it is putting somebody basically in an uh, their own little demi plane of existence where they don't age, and they are in stasis. Hmm. A fascinating spell that has massive legal ramifications. If you've ever seen the movie uh, Demolition Man with Wesley Snipes and Sylvester Stallone. I think I have. Uh, that's the plot <laughs> is they both leave sequester and fuck up the year 2030. Um, but it, it's something that can be used by both sides. Let's we talk about crime spells then. Um, no, that'll come back up when we do criminals. All right. We're going to we're going to wrap up law here. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back. Do we want to mention briefly some things that should probably make it into your standard code of law? Uh, we will, but we're going to finish up with the last bit of the law side, and that is superheroes. What do you do when a 15th level paladin decides that he wants to micromanage a town rather than trying to save the entire world every week? Yeah. Well, when you put it like that, it sounds terrible. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's retirement for him. He only has to manage one town instead of getting Or maybe six he just loves the town that much. The point is, um, high-level heroes suddenly taking over all of the justice in a town creates a whole hell of a lot of problems. Mm. You're not wrong. Problem number one. Uh, the All those guards are out of work? All them guards are either out of work or just, well, I mean, I was going to try to stop them, but then the winged angel man showed up and just hauled him off to jail for me. 
threw him in his extra dimensional space, which is nothing but a row of jail cells for six miles. Yep. Um, you know, the problem the second is, is it gets around the world that there is uh, this superheroic figure, not really a problem for the people living there, by the way. This is more a problem for your setting uh, is that either a it's going to in- inspire super villainy because people want to challenge themselves or b more importantly, um, it is going to cause more people to look to have these single super, powerful strong men. Yeah, these super, you know, single powerful savior folk. And it that's is not a good way to do law. Yeah, no, opinion. it's it's it, it it it's definitely not optimal. Um but it is highly I would go so far as to say it's likely with a lawful good PC after a campaign ends. Yeah, exactly. Like there is no reason that the level 18 paladin who has now saved the world is going to go back to the city he was born in and he's just like, yeah, I'll just, I don't know. I'm just going to run a bakery. Now you're like, there's too many crimes here. I'm going to go beat up Johnny Crimes and make him pay for his crimes. (laughs) So when it comes to having a superhero type figure in your campaign setting, uh, a couple of very easy things to have. They should have a reputation. Um, it's a very easy way to introduce a very powerful, good PC. Who can't be bothered to help you with things NPC, because he's yeah. busy with his own stuff. Yeah, he's busy, you know, oh, I'm, I'm super close to cracking that crime syndicate. Yeah, I can't help you go off and defeat the dragon Zephelmore, the devourer. I'm too busy uh, micromanaging Manhattan. Yeah, exactly. Um, having them around is a fun thing to do as a DM. I have a couple in my setting. And, you know, if you handle them right, your players will get really excited every time they see them. If handled badly, your players are going to feel like they're not the main characters. They're, they're not a big deal. Yeah, they are. They are merely side characters in Jurgen Young's story of protecting the world. Uh, be careful. With them. Yeah, be very careful. But they're a lot of fun to use if used properly. Just, you know, rein them in. Have them show up at times where they're absolutely needed. Not like, well, I, I had nothing to do, so I showed up. Um, final thoughts on law before we take a quick break and switch to crime. Not really. <laughs> I mean, if I had any final thoughts to say, it would be uh, consider outside of your own cultural context uh, what exactly makes up a law force. So don't try to think about just – the society you're living in. Try to think of what would make sense for that society to have. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, that's actually pretty, uh, you know, it's pretty apropos. Uh, my final thoughts on law until we jump back in for crime is it's, you know, you need to at least let people know what is happening around them. And one of the best ways you can do that is by the system of laws in place because I, you know, to throw a very easy parallel, um, real world parallel and just to, you know, talk about my own life for a minute. Um, I live outside Ann Arbor, which is a very wealthy. Yep. One of the wealthiest cities in Michigan, seventh largest in Michigan too. Yep. College town. Yep. College town. Um, we record outside of Detroit and we live 40 minutes from Detroit. And to say Detroit that it is not so nice. Yeah. And to say that one system is taxed to the extreme where the other is uh, almost casual in the way it has to handle affairs 
is different. There is a different vibe when you walk around Detroit than there is when you're walking around Ann Arbor. And law is going to play heavily into that. Um, we, on that note, we are going to take a brief five-minute break, refresh, grab a, grab a beverage, hit the lavatory. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about the one y'all been waiting for, crime. Crime. <laughs> 